my biggest wealth right now is my health. So yes, definitely. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Health Formation, the podcast where we give you health and wellness news to use. This is Katie, and I'm your host. And welcome. Thank you for taking out some time of your day to listen in to Health Formation. I hope that everyone is staying safe and healthy. Um, I hope that you are able to stay quarantined or at least social distanced as much as possible. I really should say physically distanced and remaining socially connected with our loved ones, our friends and family, because it is so important to maintain those connections and not, you know, get lonely and isolated during this time. And one thing I do really just want to bring up quickly before I introduce today's guest, um, I was reading an article in CNN about ways that we can help to flatten the curve. So, of course, people um, should be washing their hands, staying home as much as possible, staying six feet away from others. But one other thing that we can do is really support our own immune systems by providing our body with the healthy foods that we need so that our immune systems can work to the best of their ability. So there's not a lot, if any, good data supporting supplementation of any vitamins, minerals, or supplements with for fighting COVID um, or coronavirus. But that being said, we do know several vitamins and minerals that we should be maximizing in our diets to help support our immune system. So Things like vitamin A, vitamin D, always vitamin C, zinc, selenium. Those are some really important vitamins and minerals that we can get from our foods and that can help to keep our immune system fighting as best as it can. So think when you're thinking vitamin C, think of all the different colorful foods. So you've got your bell peppers, all of your green leafies, Berries, those are all going to be high in vitamin C um, and other vitamins as well. But I know a lot of people have been worried because a lot of these supplements have been sold out at the pharmacy. Well, you don't need to get them in pill form. You should be getting them in whole food form. So really just looking for your whole fruits and vegetables. People have been having to cook home more and as a result of that, you have the opportunity to incorporate more of these whole foods into your diet. One other thing um, that you can incorporate a little bit more of is turmeric. So turmeric is another good potent anti-inflammatory. Putting that in your food, maybe making a little bit of an Indian dish or something where you can incorporate in the turmeric. And then the last thing, um, recommendation, you know, lifestyle not diet, but it's just trying to get some sunlight on your skin um, because that is not only going to help to improve your mood, but it will also help to improve your vitamin D levels, which is one of the other vitamins that we know is important, especially now, um, but for overall health and for immune health. And so getting outside, getting sun on your skin, you only need 15 to 20 minutes a day in the sun to get your daily recommendation for vitamin D. So if you can get it through the sun, then that is actually better than taking a supplement, just like all of our vitamins and minerals. I know here in North Carolina, we've had some beautiful weather. Um, It's been, it was 90 this weekend, which is awesome. So if you can go outside, just try to get a little sun. Um, That will help to raise up your vitamin D levels. So 
I'll link the CNN article in the show notes if you're interested in reading it. I'm probably going to do a post on it as well on our Instagram. I just thought it was interesting um, touting all the lifestyle recommendations that we can do to help support our bodies. And I guess this is kind of my soapbox, but these aren't only things that are going to help us to protect, help to protect us against COVID. They're also things that are going to keep us health, healthy lifelong. So maybe if you're learning some new techniques or you're cooking healthier, that will help to support your body long term after this pandemic is over. Okay, that's all I'm saying about COVID for today. Um, so now I'm going to introduce our guest. So our guest is actually someone, if you remember my episode with Mark Ristine, which was episode 15, and then another episode that I did, Alex House. So I met Alex through Mark. I also met Emily through Mark's page. So Mark has his plant-based support group, A New Choice, which if you're not following A New Choice yet, you should get on Facebook and get on his group. Um, I met Emily through that page. And so Emily is amazing. And she had has lost an entire person over the last several months in weight. Um, and so I, she's here today on Health Formation just to tell her story. And, you know, she really opens up about her struggles with weight loss and everything that she's been through. And I think that it was a really great conversation. I will say, just a little disclaimer, I recorded this during COVID and I think my internet was slightly taxed because of everyone in my neighborhood being online simultaneously and so when I speak it doesn't it sounds a little gargly at times but you can definitely hear everything Emily is saying and it you don't lose the essence of the conversation so anyway um, I hope you enjoy it if you have any questions for me feel to sh- feel free to shoot me an email healthformation.podcast at gmail.com and thanks for tuning in. So today um, I'm talking to Emily. So the, Emily, thank you for joining me um, on Health Formation. Excited to have you on the podcast and to, to hear your story um, and to learn about you. So why don't you just start out and I guess tell me a little bit about you. Tell me about your background, kind of where you grew up and your home life and how you ate as a kid and that kind of thing. I grew, I grew up, up in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Pennsylvania. I was uh, came from a family of four children, two sisters and one brother. We were what I would consider latchkey kids. Um, my mom and dad divorced at a young age. And um, basically, we spent a lot of time alone at home eating canned goods, you know, the raviolis and just like packaged goods, frozen dinners. <laughs> we never really ate healthy, per se. Where did you fall in the line of the four kids? I was the second oldest. Okay. So, um, And then, so, you know what? From a very young age, I struggled with weight my whole entire life. You know, also, I think for the first time in several years, I don't want to give my age, I don't think. <laughs> I'm old. Um, I actually admitted that, like, um, you know, I had struggled with depression. I struggled with depression since a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of times now, too, like, ever since this past surgery, like, I think, you know, I used food as a crutch to deal with the depression. Right. So, um, you know, after my ordeal in August and this, the complications I've had since my surgery, I finally had to come to terms with the fact that I had that trouble. And admitting that was like the biggest thing for me, particularly now, because I'm very limited in 
what I can eat and how much I can eat and those type of things. So it was really an emotional, it's been an emotional, physical roller coaster since August. You know, for the first time in seven months, I'm honestly able to say that I'm starting to feel better and things are starting to turn around both physically and emotionally. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like it's a such a cyclical thing with eating to make yourself feel better. And then you eat all of that food and then you feel worse. And then yeah. it's a big cycle of balancing how you feel and then how to deal with your emotions. So the fact that you can admit that is awesome. And I'm yeah. sure that helps so much in helping to, you know, treat it. So, mm-hmm. so all right. So you um, were, you grew up in Pittsburgh. You had your family. You explained a little bit. Yeah, so we ate a lot of fast food. For me, like, from a very young age, like I said, uh, I constantly struggled with weight. As a matter of fact, I think, like, my siblings used to make fun of me because of my weight for the longest time, too. Um, You know, I would get called fat on a regular basis. Um, You know, just little stuff like that. So, um, But your siblings were not overweight, even though they were eating the same as you? No, they weren't overweight at all. <laughs> um, you know, we're all very different. So, um, and my oldest sister is like, I want to say she's like five foot one, two, maybe. And she was very skinny. My little sister was, uh, she's like five ten now, but she was always like tiny too. And my little brother, he was like a midget. <laughs> yeah, so I was really the only one. You know, we kind of kid around because like my mom used to take us to the ground round. I don't know if you're familiar with the ground oh, for the ground round. <laughs> yeah, like where you paid what you weigh, and I'm pretty sure that I like topped the scale. <laughs> it was like paying dollar fifty like at age ten. You know, like <laughs> yeah. So you know, we just I joke about it now. Um, you know, through all that, like I ran cross country in high school, tried to like be healthy, um, but I ended up actually being a thrower, hammer and shot put thrower. So like even in college, like training, like you could eat a lot and get away with eating a lot and like never did anything to your body. Like um, at, at a young age, you're able to keep the weight off a little bit easier. So anyway, so you, played, um, you mm-hmm. did cross country in college? Uh, actually, I did cross country in high school. Okay. So I did just track in college. Okay. So, so you yeah. were still training a significant yeah. amount when mm-hmm. you were in college. Yeah. So when you were doing that, did any of your coaches or anything talk to you about nutrition? Not you, but like not. Um, I mean, it was always on the forefront, but nobody really. I think more so nowadays they like talk about nutrition but I think when I was growing up like I graduated college in 2001 I I don't know that it was necessarily like a big thing that I ever heard of back then where'd you go to Uh, Slippery Rock University what was it Slippery Rock oh okay yeah up in uh, Pennsylvania north Mm -hmm. of Pittsburgh so yeah but even then like you know I joke about it now but we used to like you know, the shamrock shakes at McDonald's? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we used to have contests to see, like, how many we could drink in the month of March. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absurd, like, amounts. And, you know, even, like, in college, you get into beer drinking and those type mm-hmm. of things, too. So, you know, they didn't have the gluten allergies. Like, those type of things were, like, really necessarily around when I was growing up. You know, they call them the fads and stuff. Even, like, I guess past college, I would say I never really 
like I never really tried to diet per se sure. like all the different fad diets and stuff like even like these past couple of years when I really started putting on the weight and started getting sick people were like trying to encourage me to do like keto and those type of things but because I had like the high cholesterol and everything already I was kind of like never one to like try that stuff so. right so just honestly so you just like physical activity and all of those things in college helps you to maintain a, a reasonable weight pretty much yeah yeah so again back in like 2012 mm-hmm. um I had uh struggled a little bit I ended up you know like really coming not to terms, but really severely depression. You know, I was ha- hospitalized and everything. So they actually started putting me on a bunch of medications. Oh, yeah. Um, just different medications. Um, I was hospitalized for two weeks. And then in 2008, I had my tonsils out. That's when they first found my high blood pressure. So they put me on metoprolol. Mm. Um, weight gainer. I guess, yeah, I guess that's another weight gainer. So you know, um, I was on that and then, you know, I had the high cholesterol. Um, so they put me on cholesterol medicine. So by like 2012, I want to say I was on probably about 11 different medications for between depression and high blood pressure and just different medical issues that I was experiencing. Mm So I finally like Maybe like around 2014, 2015, I started to really gain weight. So I started to actually run. I trained for a half marathon, completed a half marathon. Um, you know, and again, I was still kind of young. I was in my mid thirties, never really, even at that time, paid attention to food. And then, like I said before, like I was using food still as a crutch to eat, um, <laughs> you know, just binge eating when I got depressed and those type of things. And now yeah. that I look back at it. Um, so, um, I got injured. I was training for a full marathon in 2017. I got injured and I wasn't able to run anymore. And then like, you know, just from the injury and not being able to do stuff, I got even more depressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then they just kept giving me more medications mm-hmm. um, to the point where I guess I was just like a walking zombie, if you will. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, with all the different uh, medications I was on. So you know, so you had, like, you had gained weight to this at this point, or yeah, I had gained weight at that point. After I stopped running a couple of years ago, I started gaining a lot of weight. Okay, and I don't, I, you know, I can blame it on the medications, but I think it was more so just between the medications and just overeating and doing things like that. Well, and gaining weight is so multimodal. There's so many different factors, mm-hmm. and people just assume that when you gain weight, it's because you're eating too much or you're not eating healthy, but there's so many lifestyle factors that contribute. Mm. Of course, the medications contributed and your mental health and you not feeling good, that contributes on top of everything else. So then um, 2018, fast forward to 2018, that's when I was first diagnosed with prediabetes. Okay. And at this point, you were still struggling with the depression? And the weight, the weight okay. and the depression. So, um, you know, like for me, you know, now that I look back at it, they like, they tell you those things. The doctors will tell you stuff, but you never really take it seriously. Um, 
you know, I would sneak a bagel here and there, or I would um, eat carbs, and they were, like, trying to push not eating carbs, like potatoes, um, you know, just different things. So, I say it now, I think in early 2019, they put a, when I went full-blown type 2 diabetes, they put a, a monitor on me where I was able to check yep. the blood sugars. I feel like had they done that when they diagnosed me with pre-diabetes, that maybe I would have paid more attention to what was actually really going on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's here, neither here nor there at that point. But that's probably when I first started tracking my foods and really like taking control of not dieting, but really watching what I was eating and how much I was eating. When I started using, I use um, the Lose It app. I really started to um, pay attention to how many calories I was eating per day. It would track like my activities. I have an Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. So I knew like how much I was somewhat burning. And so that's probably when I first really started doing all this stuff. So what motivated you to want to start doing all of that? I was really out of shape. I could barely like walk up the steps. You know, I just, uh, just gaining weight rapidly. Um, okay. And you kind of, you were just fed up and one day you were just... Yeah, it got to the point where I was at like the lowest, my lowest, you know, when they say like hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was, you know, even more depressed and just like not able to do this like couple years ago before that I was running and doing things and so right so actually I had visited the endocrinologist I was working closely with him you know trying to get everything situated with the diabetes and then um at one point they said uh you need to see a specialist because I was on a CPAP uh with uh, breathing issues and you know, it was just spiraling downward. So, mm-hmm. um, and you were you're young. Yeah. Um, I actually, you I, just, I just turned forty in November. Oh, you admitted your age. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, March of last year, I ended up uh, going to see a uh, weight management specialist. Oh, okay. And that's kind of when all this came about. Like they said that like I was medically necessary that I explore the weight management, um, the the surgery, because I was that unhealthy. Like between the CPAP and not breathing at night, just being way overweight, the high blood pressure, the cholesterol, my thyroid, all this stuff. So they basically put me in the program I had to wait three months before I could get approved actually it was actually like a month before I got approved because of all the it was medically necessary at that point um so was it a surgeon uh the surgeon was it did they refer you to a surgeon or just a general um bariatric like weight management doctor uh no it was a general bariatric weight management doctor the endocrinologist did Okay, so he referred you to just the regular. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So then fast forward to August 20th, that's when I had my surgery. So um, 2019? August of 2019, yeah. Okay. Whenever I started in the program last month, March, they 
told me I had to like change my eating habits. So that's really like when I started to really like change my eating habits. They were okay. really monitoring it. You had to go like every few weeks to get stuff checked. You know, they so would. What check. did they recommend for you to do? Um, just cut calories. Um, they put me on like a high protein diet, not diet, but I was drinking shakes twice a day. And then I was eating snacks in between the shakes. And then I would just have a sensible dinner, you know, three ounces of chicken, a vegetable, and then like a starch if I wanted it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was like a whole program. And, you know, surprisingly, even when they put me on that meal plan, like that, that low calorie, um, I was still gaining weight. So they ended up putting me on, it's not Victoza, it was another medicine. Was it injectable? Yeah, it was injectable. It was another so penny. Sex, sex Trulicity. Trulicity. Oh, okay. Yeah, to try to help keep the weight down um, mm-hmm. and then to help with the diabetes. I was on insulin at that point, too. I was insulin dependent at that point. Um, so remind me when you were diagnosed with diabetes, 2015? Uh, 2018. Oh, 2018. Oh, so yeah. it was one year. One year later... Not even on insulin. Not even a year. It was uh so it was like September of 2018. Mm-hmm. And then by December of 2018 I became insulin dependent. So how did you feel about that? Um you know, at that point I was on so many medications it just didn't even phase me cuz I was just like okay, just another medication, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. So Did you ever just out of curiosity because this is what I do, but did you ever meet with a pharmacist at any point? No, I never did. Like, I mean, I saw the pharmacist all the time, but I never asked questions at that point. Now I ask questions because I'm like, does this interact with this? Especially because I'm hypoglycemic now. Wait, hold on. So you were, you, okay. So you were on the very low calorie diet. You were still gaining weight. They put you on Trulicity. Yeah, Trulicity. So how did that, what did that do? Anything? Uh, no, it didn't do anything. It did prevent me from gaining any more weight okay how much insulin were you on do you remember 24 units twice a day twice a day yeah it was 24 in the morning and then 24 at night okay was your a1c was it well controlled or was it high no it wasn't not at that point no um my a1c if i went back into my history i want to say in december of 2018 mm-hmm. it was 9.1 okay and then um it went up like three months later it was around 10 and then okay. by the time I went on to Trulicity though it started to gradually decrease like I th- want to say in um March April May June of last year it had decreased it went back down to like eight we probably wanted you to have a lower a1c2 before your surgery uh-huh so anyway, two weeks before surgery, though, they went, I was like on a like 700 calorie. Yeah, it was crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. But I lost actually, surprisingly, two weeks before surgery, I was on this protocol that they had. I'd lost 17 pounds before the surgery. Yeah, but you weren't eating anything. I wasn't eating anything. <laughs> but they needed my liver to shrink. Wow. Um, yeah. Fatty liver. Yeah, I had a very fatty liver. 
Okay. Very, very fatty liver. So they needed the liver to shrink before they could do any surgery. Interesting I'm that they that low of a calorie diet because you would think that your body would basically like go into starvation mode and you wouldn't yeah. burn anything. Yeah. So it was pretty crazy. Anyways, so um, I haven't been on insulin since I left the hospital. Um, since the surgery? What surgery did you get? Uh, gastric bypass. Okay. I haven't had any insulin. And as time went on, um, I have come off basically every medication except now I'm taking a one-a-day pill. I'm not on any depression medications. I'm not on any high cholesterol medications. I'm not on the metoprol. I don't have my CPAP anymore. Um, um, this is amazing. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think about it. And the only other thing that I'm on right now is like a fiber, a psyllium husk. And uh-huh. um, they had to put me on uh, Victoza recently. Surprisingly, like, it's crazy because the Victoza has been helping. Like, I'm suffering with hypoglycemia. And uh-huh. I'm not sure if it's because of the dumping syndrome, which uh-huh. is common in um, surgeries like this, but not till like a year after, like they were saying. It's, uh, the Victoza is actually helping with the hypoglycemia. Um, okay. Surprisingly. Um, so after you had your surgery... Yeah. Tell me a little bit about like how were you feeling? What was your mindset? Um, what kind of so I leaked two and a half liters of blood. Um I coded twice. <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> so they actually ended up having to do the surgery a second time the next day. Oh so, my god. And were you uh, aware of all that this was going on? Um, or were you obviously- Yeah. I was aware I would get up. Um, it was 10 o'clock at night, the day of surgery. I got up to go to the bathroom at the hospital. And this was after I had walked a couple laps. And um, I collapsed, decoded the first time just after midnight. And then I did got up to go to the bathroom again at 10 the next morning. And I coded again. Thankfully, the surgeon came back and he knew right away what was going on. Um, and they got another OR room case and... Ended up getting the surgery twice. So I woke up in the ICU. I was in ICU for a couple of days. But my body never had a full opportunity to heal after that. So I actually ended up having six months. January 19th was the last time I had it. It was an upper dilation with, or upper EGD with dilation where they'd go in and they would have to... Um, a dilate balloon because I had so much scar tissue forming up in the upper esophagus and stuff. Go in through your throat? Yeah, they would go in like through the upper part of my... Uh, uh-huh. It was just like a upper EGD. And they would do a balloon so that it would... Yeah, expand the, the scarring, the scar tissue. And how so, often do you have to get that done? I was getting it done every other... Every two weeks. Okay. So, September, September. That sounds really unpleasant. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was it was pretty harsh. So did you could you tell like that you it was a narrow space up there like were you having? Yeah, so I had a lot of trouble eating. Okay. Um, for six months I was limited to basically like purees and shakes. And I couldn't eat like chicken. I couldn't eat beef. I couldn't. A lot of the 
proteins that I needed. So it was a lot of just protein shakes, cottage cheese, yogurts, you know, like blended soft foods, um, just blended like spinach and those type of things, stuff that Mm -hmm. I just, you know, tolerate. So, I mean, that really like sealed the deal for me. Like I started to feel better when I wasn't eating like junk. I haven't had cake or like, you know, the stuff that I used to eat all the time, like the Twinkies, the box goods. I even notice now, like when I go into the stores, I'm shopping the outside aisles. I don't really get a lot of the stuff on the inside. My body right now, like too, being hypoglycemic, I'm like almost forced into this way of life. I don't eat a lot of carbs. Like my body can't tolerate carbs right now. Like uh, even rice and quinoa and like juices and those type of things. You're not eating those those foods. Yeah, I can't eat rice. I can't eat um, you know, quinoa. I can't eat oatmeals. You Is know, it just uh, like too much volume or something in uh, your stomach? No, it's just the um, carbs. My body is not tolerating. Well, because it's a hypoglycemia. Yeah, like oh, okay. Body can't tolerate any carbs. When I eat any carbs, like whether it's potatoes, sweet potatoes, my blood sugars will spike, and then mm. it will drop it even more. Did they tell you about why that's happening? Yeah, it's like a dumping syndrome. I don't know if you're familiar with the dumping syndrome, like um, the body empties too quickly. Um, uh-huh. And like with the diabetes, it's oh, so common. the victims is slowing the gastric emptying. Yeah, so that's why. okay. Yes. And it's able to like control the carbs a little bit better. So for people that are listening that might not know what we're talking about. So when you have gastric bypass, you have a much shorter distance between in your gut basically um, because you're bypassing a large section of your gut and so your gut is supposed to slowly reabsorb your food and your carbs to put them into your bloodstream so the problem that Emily's having is that it's being absorbed too quickly and so her blood sugar is going way up and then her body is kind of over responding by producing a lot of insulin to try to get it back to a normal range. And that's causing the blood sugar to go down. And the Victoza, the way that one of the ways that it works is it slows down the speed at which food moves through your gut. So that's why it's helping. We learned, we all just learned that together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So whenever they put me on the Victoza, I was reading about it and like talking to people and I was scared. I was like, that's supposed to lower like blood sugars. And, um, Surprisingly, it's helped. I'm able to work out as much as I was working out again. I was, you know, able to continue to, like, do things that I was doing prior to the problem starting. Um, Cool. You know, after the surgery, I started walking every day, twice a day. So, like, right away? Right after? Right away. Yeah. I've been working out ever since... Not... It was September 19th that I was able to actually start getting up and doing stuff again. So almost like a month after surgery. like So actually I laugh about it because I'm friends with this um, person that works in the ICU near me. And she Mm -hmm. goes to the same gym as me. And she said that before the surgery I had joined the gym. And I said that I would be back after surgery. And she 
looked at me and was like, yeah, this girl's not coming back. But surprisingly, like fast forward, I go to the gym every day. I'm walking every day. Just, you know, just healthy lifestyle. It's It's been a lot of work. I mean, this hasn't been easy um, by any means. Trying to balance and figure out my body again has been like right. the biggest thing. Like I was so I was 302 pounds a day of surgery, August 20th, fast forward to uh, three weeks ago, I was down to 148 pounds. So what? I'm almost 141 pounds. Yeah. You're half of your old yeah. body. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. So, yeah. So are you done losing weight now? I hope so. The, the doctor doesn't want me to lose any more weight. But um, the other day I was on the scale just kind of got on there I was down to 141 so I'm you are you lost that so fast yeah so like that's why it's been such an, an emotional yeah. physical roller coaster and again trying to figure out what my body can tolerate what it can't tolerate you know like for me too like I had to get a lot of help again psychologically particularly because they were taking me off all these medications and so it was done under a very uh I've been watched very closely medically because, you know, between coming off all the physical medications and the mental medications, it was something that was strategically done with a medical team, which was good. Now I'm just dealing with the nutritionist. We're trying to, you know, calories in, calories out. You know, the the hardest thing for me through all this was like, you know, they tell you your whole life to like, exercise eat right do things <laughs> then suddenly like six months after surgery they're telling me to slow down working out you're working out too much um, how much were you working out um i was burning about 3500 to 4000 calories a day working out two to three times a day <laughs> wow yeah I, so that's how i came to terms with the fact that i was it was almost like a um an addiction cross addiction mm -hmm. so like before where I was addicted to food and I couldn't eat anymore because my stomach was so small I was only able to eat like two ounces at a time you know every three hours every four hours I had turned to this cross addiction which was working out granted it could have been a lot worse I could have cross addicted to like shopping <laughs> like, there's a lot of other stuff I could have uh, cross addicted <laughs> over to but instead, I was just excessively working out. And I think my body finally just caught up. So even now, like I said, well, why can't I just increase my calories and continue to work out like a crazy person? Yeah. So like the whole, I guess, the anatomy side of things. You're a scientist. <laughs> like, I guess, because my body can't fit. handle the foods yet. So. Yeah. Like I said, it's just been one balancing act after another. Um, granted, I'm eating a lot better. I still can't eat a lot of, like, like, I'm still limited to the amount of, like, proteins I'm eating, like, chicken and beef and stuff like that. But it's slowly getting better. I'm able to, like, eat almost an ounce of chicken at a time now, whereas before, like, I would eat it and it would come back up So um, or it would get stuck. Oh, yeah. Right, so is that all fixed? Yeah, Here. I haven't had any problems since January 19th, surprisingly. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, so it's kind of been nice. The other thing, too, recently, like, so 
through all this, I was having to find like proteins. And so they say that whey protein is like the best absorbed protein um, as far as shakes and stuff goes. I noticed I was getting bloated. My stomach would hurt after every time that I would drink a whey protein. So actually, I started taking a different protein. It's more plant-based. And mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to bother my stomach as much. Now, the doctors well, don't know that I've done this. It's probably related to the dairy because whey. Yeah. So maybe you have like a little lactose intolerance. Can you eat and drink milk? I had lactose intolerance before the surgery, but it's weird because yeah. I'm still able to tolerate yogurt, like a Greek yogurt, and like cottage cheese is not bad. Those are but a little that, different. Yeah. So it's weird though. So I haven't told the doctors that I switched from way over to this plant-based protein yet because I haven't seen the doctors with all the craziness that's been going on. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how they're going to look at this. Um, it'll be fine. Yeah, I think it'll be okay with it. Hopefully, like, in the next couple of months, I was supposed to go get more blood work done. You know, like, all my, like, CBCs and all that. Like, in the iron deficiencies and everything. All that was increasing as of December when they last mm-hmm. did it. Or, no, it was January when they last did it. And so, I was supposed to go back April 9th. But I don't know if that's going to happen <laughs> with everything that's going on. So, it'll be yeah. interesting to see where all my numbers are and everything. But... My diabetes, like I said, is under control. So I'm just interested because I'm a pharmacist. And so you said right when you finished your surgery, you were automatically off the insulin. So what kind of order did they take you off of your medications? So uh, the first thing that came up was the insulin. Mm -hmm. And then a couple months later, I came off the cholesterol medicine because my cholesterol started to improve. And then about a month after that, it was like November, I came off the metoprolol. And then um, I was on lithium, um, Cymbalta. There's like just too many to name. They slowly started taking me off each of my depression medications. So Um, why did they decide to take you off your depression medications? Did you uh, ask? Well, so... The, some of the problem that the surgeon thought I was having was because my stomach was so small and having to take all these medications, he felt that it was causing a lot of gas, acid reflux and those type of things. Because mm-hmm. I was also on a protonics. I was mm-hmm. on like a muscle relaxer, trazodone for like sleep. It was just, I felt like a cocktail of like medication sounds like a cocktail and trying to balance that with being able to eat and those type of things so I think they just finally said enough is enough (laughs) and they just finally started taking me off one by one the CPAP I came off of probably when I started dropping the weight drastically I want to say like mid-December I ended up not needing the CPAP anymore yeah great so now you're only on the Victoza the Victoza is the only thing I'm on, and the one-a-day pills, just to, you know, like, my vitamin A, vitamin A was low, and then, like, vitamin C, and my iron was low for a while. They tried to put me on some iron pills, and that was, like, a disaster. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, no. I stopped that right away. So, Do you take B12? Do you have to get an injection or anything? No, um, earlier on I did, but now it's in the one-a-day, so. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm a whole new person. 
it's hard to believe. Yes. But I still use the Lose It app um, to track my foods. Uh-huh. Uh, for a while, I wasn't getting enough calories. I was like 600 to 800 calories. They want me at about 1,000 calories right now based on how I'm working out and doing things. That still seems low. Yeah, so it's actually higher at this stage of the game. They said probably by year I could move up to like 1,200 calories. But, you know, when it's all said and done, I'll probably for the rest of my life be at about 1,500 calories per day. Um, Okay. It's kind of crazy. So the other thing is right now I'm not symptomatic um, with the hypoglycemia until I reach about like 45. uh, Oh. Yeah, yeah, blood glucose. Like I don't really get any symptoms. So actually, so before I was treating for anything under seventy, up until middle of January, and so that's where like things really got out of control. Like I would treat, but because of the dumping, worse than it. It was almost like a. Oh yeah. It would make it worse. I was eating like so many carbs trying to like correct it and and it was just making it worse so they actually told me like only treat they actually ended up putting me on a dexcom unit so that like i know right away yeah so now i only treat when i get symptomatic um anything under 50 so i'm not treating like it's almost like a new low for me (laughs) so how often are you going that low um, so actually like all the way up until like a couple weeks ago when they increased the Victoza, it was only really when I was working out intense workouts and then sometimes in the morning or like in the middle of the night. So I kind of have corrected a lot of that. Like I try to get a snack before I go to bed, whether it's just a teaspoon of peanut butter or something that just will help me maintain until overnight. The other thing is, too, when I work out, I'll drink a protein shake while I'm working out. Uh, I'll run with that or I'll work out with that and just sip it throughout. So it's like I said, it's just like a balancing act at this point, just trying to figure out when I need to like treat, when I don't need to treat. The other thing that's come about with all this is I've developed, and you can probably give me the term for it, when you have a very low heart rate, resting heart rate. Bradycardia? Yeah, it's uh, very low. So I'm, I think the lowest I've been is like in the 40s, like 48. They said that's because like I'm working out so much too. So does it? Yeah. Do you have like illness or anything like that? No, no. Probably. Like I feel like a whole new person not being on all those medications. It's surprisingly yeah. like probably if nothing else comes of this I'm eating better and I'm not on a lot of medications and the other thing too now that I've gone through all this I'm trying to help others who are in the same boat and like you know like a lot of people are telling me that I'm inspirational and those type of things but you you know what um like I use my aunt as an example too she was age 60 when they told her she had high blood pressure and she she could either take the metoprolol or not metoprolol (laughs) Yeah, metoprolol. Or she could lose the weight. And so she started running marathons at age 60. Like she started running and she turned her life around. So I tell people now when I talk to people and they ask me questions, I tell them it's not too late. And then 
all the complications that I went through, I tell people like when they if they tell you you're pre-diabetic or like it's not medically necessary for you to have these type of procedures or take control of your life now because as much as this has helped me, it's been a whirlwind and my life has changed forever. Like I'll never probably enjoy foods maybe the way I I like to travel to like foreign countries, but like I'll never be able to eat like I used to like you know it's more like I go around like taste testing everything now so like it really changes your life if you have to go through this so like I really encourage people to like take inventory of their life and there's no secret to what I did yeah I got the surgery but it was more so less a tool it's not a uh um end all be all where you don't have to like work out or watch what you eat they gave me a tool so now I have to take advantage of it but if you can do it without having to do what I did I encourage everyone the biggest thing for me was just accountability and like with the lose it app just knowing calories in calories out and like I think you asked about the macros I have a macros now like they want me to like eat more protein and like they don't really care about my fats right now because of they just want me to get calories in at this point because I wasn't eating enough calories. But I do have to watch the carbs with the hypoglycemia. And so, you know, yeah, there is a little bit of macros. But again, had I known about a lot more of this nutrition stuff probably earlier, maybe back in like 2015 when I started running or I don't know. I don't know the whole answer. Like I try not to look back because of it is kind of depressing for me and just thinking about everything that led me up to the point of having to get this surgery (laughs) I could go back and do it again I probably would have like I said when they told me I was pre-diabetic probably would have had I known like what I was actually doing to my body sugars and carbs and stuff I probably would have taken more control of my life then Um, so hard though yeah like it's so hard because you know now what yeah. not not changing those behaviors led to. But when you're in that moment, you don't know. Yeah. And you don't, like changing a behavior that's been ingrained in you for 39 years or however yeah. old, eight mm-hmm. years. People think like, what's the point? Like, why do I need yeah. it? I've been living like this my whole life. I don't mm-hmm. need to change it. And then something happens where you're like, oh yeah, I should have, I should have yeah. fixed this before this point. So yeah. You live and you learn and, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm t- telling, talking to people every day and encouraging them to do their best, but sometimes yeah, you don't people do what they can, you know? Yeah. So that's like my main goal now is to kind of try to, if anybody ever asks me, like I try to educate them and tell them like, yes. I'm like a walking, living, learning lesson. <laughs> like, yeah. And like I said, for me, like I'm never going to go back. I know people get this surgery and they go back to like they gain some weight back and stuff but the amount of like stuff that I went through the last seven months I'm not going back you know I'm more determined now than ever and I want to say around December I had a cookie and I think I cried for like two days because like I didn't (laughs) want that cookie I didn't need that cookie like I beat myself up moving forward like to have a cookie now it's not gonna hurt me but like I won't eat the whole sleeve of Thin Mints anymore (laughs) you know like you know so it's all about moderation I guess um for 
people that are able to eat normally. One day is not going to kill you if you like, mm. indulge or if you're with your family and stuff. But like I indulged for years, if you would, you know, and it led me to last year. So you overindulged. Um, yeah, every time, you know, you always gave yourself an excuse to eat large quantities of food. And we say we live in America and like eating such a social thing. And so it's just a whole different way of life for me right now. And and for once, it took me a while to say, but I'm glad I did this. I'm much healthier. Like, and now too, like I said, I'm going to work to educate other people. Um, you know, if anybody has questions, um, I'm more than willing to answer them. And, you know, everyone's different. Everybody's body's different. That's like another thing that I'm learning. Like what may work for one person may not work for another person. And people's anatomies are totally different. Uh, the biggest thing for me, I think, like I said, is just using the app, tracking, like, when my body does certain things now, like, and how it reacts to certain things, you know, like, I have good days and bad days. And like, I can almost tell you when I have bad days working out, I've increased the intensity of my working out. So like during the middle of the week, this week, like yesterday, I couldn't do anything um, because my blood sugars were so low. So it's just being more aware of your body, like me being more aware of my body and like, you know, not pushing myself and just really listening to my body every day. You know, the other nice thing about this, like losing all the weight is I don't have a lot of like back aches and knee pain and those types of things either. Well, (laughs) I I think that you are definitely an inspiration and I think you're definitely going to teach people they're gonna hear your story and be encouraged and I think it's awesome that you're trying to pay it forward that is my whole goal with this podcast is just to teach people as much as we possibly can so I think you've definitely shown light on a whole new perspective with your story and I'm so appreciative that you shared it with us so you said you know if people wanted to contact you um mm-hmm. that they have any additional questions they can so yeah can you your email or how yeah, should so they contact my um they can contact me like i mean is it easier for people to reach me via email or is it easier to? it's probably email would probably be the easiest i can link your email in the no- show notes yeah that's fine so it's uh my last name which is s-t-o-l-k-o-w-s-k-i the number one at hotmail.com i'll link that in the show notes if yeah. anyone wants to email yeah well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Yeah, um, no problem. Well, thank you. Thank you for opening up and sharing your story. All and right. I, I enjoyed talking to you and getting to know you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. And I hope everyone enjoyed Emily's story and hearing and learning about her as much as I did. Um, I'm really thankful to her for opening up and sharing her story. I hope everyone is staying home, staying safe. Everyone's loved ones are staying safe. As always, um, we appreciate you tuning in. Please feel free to follow us on any social media platform. Instagram is probably where we're most active, Health Form Pod. We also have that same handle on Twitter. And of course, our Facebook is just Health Formation. And I hope you guys have a happy and healthy day. Bye.